You're listening to the Sourced Property Podcast with Stephen Moss and Chris Kirkwood. Hello, wherever you are, and welcome to the first Sourced Podcast. So my name is Chris Kirkwood, and I'm here with... I'm Stephen Moss, one of the directors of Sourced. And we're going to be taking you through um, a little trip through the property world. So we're going to start off by talking a little bit about the news that's happened in the property world over the last week or so. We're then going to go on to the main, um, the main body of the podcast, which is going to be all about no money down. So going to be really interesting for you guys, whether you're starting up, whether you're established in property, this is a strategy that you're going to, you're going to find very interesting. So let's get started. Let's talk about the news. You might have seen over the last week that Zoopla, large uh, property portal in the UK, has been bought by a company called Silverlake. And they've been bought for £2.2 billion, which is a massive amount of money. Now, I know this has caught your eye, Steve. I've seen you reading articles about it. So why were you so interested in this? It's caught my eye, really, because uh, a couple of things. Firstly, I think the Zoopla team have done a fantastic job. You know, if you consider that they set up 2007, they actually launched it initially as a online property estate agency um, and it didn't get the traction they were hoping so they quickly changed it to become a property portal and the reason they grew very quickly is through acquisitions so they started to buy other property portals and merge them into Zoopla. You've got to give a lot of credit first of all to Alex Chesterton who's been very very successful um, in terms of having a vision and taking the business and guiding it through the incredible growth that it's had. But also as well, what's really caught my eye is the company that have bought them. Now, Silver Lake are a fund, and the first thing that's interesting is they paid around 30% more than the business, the company valuation, wow. um, which to me indicates that they've got plans that they can grow this and grow this and grow this. So when you look at the sector, I mean, you think of Zoopla, you know, how many how many estate agents have Zoopla got on there? They've currently got 15,000 estate agents on their portal, and surprisingly, the total number of estate agents registered in the UK is only 16,500. So they've not bought this business thinking, right, okay, we can now double the number of agents, double the income. What they've done is bought this business to think, right, we need to take it into a different market. What I think is really interesting is because they're from America, there's a company called Zillow, which are a property portal in America, very similar to uh, Zoopla. And last year they introduced a purchase scheme. So where actually, if you've got a house to sell, um, the, the platform will buy it thems- themselves. So Zillow can actually buy your house, then relist it on their own platform to sell it and make a margin. And this is something that initially, when they started to do it, agents were, um, you know, I suppose, really, really upset in terms of they were losing commission. They've brought in, in place a commission scheme now for agents to, to share the, the, uh, the income they're generating. But I think, and, and this is for our first podcast to make this sort of prediction, I know we, we should be doing this, but yeah, I think in the next two years, this is what we're going to see. I think they're coming in to this market, the UK market, taking one of the biggest property portals with a view to then start buying uh, properties themselves to relist on the platform. I think it's going to be a big disruptor in the industry and the market. So this sort of turns the industry around, doesn't it? Where the, the, they're going to buy the property from the person that's selling it and then relist it. So does that mean that they're only going to be interested in, in below market value properties? Uh, they, are they going to make... Uh, offers on all properties that get listed I mean if they do they've got an incredible I mean that, that's one of the key things they've got the ability first of all you know the brand name is so well known secondly the data they've got all the contact data for all of the uh, sellers uh, all the property data they've got all the history data they own home track that can give them the financial data so they can see actually where the property's growth is happening what the valuation is 
Um, now it's not going to happen for every single type of property. If you look at Zillow, Zillow are doing it where if you want to sell quickly. So typically they're offering 10 to 15% less than the market value. But there are other companies already in the UK. There's one called Nest who are doing very well and they actually work on a smaller percentage. So they'll actually pay up to 95% of the value and then put it straight back on the market with a view of making a, a margin of around 2 to 3%. So it just depends on what. Um, structural model they adopt um, you might find initially they go down the Zillow route so they work for a 10 to 15 percent discount so that they can then sell a property fairly quickly and easily making a good margin and as that starts to grow because bear in mind they're also going to need a huge amount of funding behind them because every property to purchase they're gonna have to um, fully fund so it's gonna be a really interesting time over the next uh, two years I think uh, once Silver Lake kind of get into the market understand the business and then look at how they're gonna grow it and from a seller's point of view, that's really appealing, isn't it? To know that you can sell your house, and okay, you might have to accept 95% of the value, but if you're in a chain and you might lose your dream house that you're going to move on to, you know, it doesn't matter what, where in the chain you are. If you, you're the start of the chain with you know, a starter home or further down the chain, you've still got a time pressure to sell your house. So from a seller's point of view, this is, this is a game changer, right? Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, the other way of looking at it as well, if they go down the route of the smaller margins and say 5%, um, you've also got to consider there that an average agency fee in the UK is about one and a half percent. So already the seller's saving that. So actually they're losing three and a half percent. Right. So it's not actually that much if that's the model they go down the route of. So I think it's going to be really exciting times for the industry. I think it's going to give, um, if anything, it might actually start kickstarting the market um, to allow more sellers uh, to, to be able to move on to the next property. And as you said, save any chains that are having issues and problems and really open up the market a bit more for us. So as we mentioned earlier, there are 16,500 estate agents registered in the UK. What are they going to think about this? That, that's the big unknown, unfortunately. Um, I can't see how, um, and I'm sure, obviously, uh, the team at Zoopla, knowing the way they've took every other challenge on, um, I'm sure they already have an idea of how to approach this, but I'm not sure yet how they can keep those 16,500 people happy um, when you know they're going to be obviously cut out of the uh, equation uh, very similar to Zillow Zillow have managed to do it they've managed to put a scheme together but they are working on quite large margins so maybe it's something um, that yeah in the future um, uh, Zoopla have planned as well so there you go the news podcast number one we started off conservatively we didn't only give you the news we gave you a massive project uh, prediction of where the industry where the property industry is going to go over the next couple of years So now onto the main topic, we're going to be talking about no money down. So I guess, first of all, some people might not know exactly what no money down is. So do you want to give us a brief description of that, Steve? You'd like me to explain what no money down, please? Please, please go ahead, yes. Yeah, so um, typically in the property sector, no money down is when you manage to purchase a property or an asset, but you've not left any money into the deal. So you've either not used any money to purchase it, or you've used money but very quickly you've got that money straight back out of it. And this strategy was really big pre-2008, wasn't it? I remember reading quite a lot about it, that historically it's been very popular. This, this was the strategy pre-2007, 2008. So most uh, investors that have portfolios from that time scale will know, obviously, the golden days of uh, Northern Rock, 120%, 125% mortgages, but also no money down or... The other really popular one um, was uh, same-day remortgage. So you had uh, mortgage companies that would allow you to refinance the property 
um, the same day or the next day of actually purchasing it whereas now you have to own the property for six months or you, you, you at least have to have shown that you've increased the value or, or there's been increased for a particular reason. And could this be done on any on any property or did it have to be say below market value or did it have to be um, anything else that would uh, qualify it? No, there are, there are different types of properties that you can um, you can utilise this for. So uh, there's different types of, I suppose, strategies uh, when we're looking at no money down. So predominantly, yes, before 2008, it was uh, literally below market value. Um, you found quite often that as you were purchasing properties, uh, by the time you got the surveyor out to the property, the, the price had increased by 10% anyway. You wow. know, it, it was such a, a crazy market. Obviously, we're in a very different market now, so it's it's a case of investors have to be more savvy, they have to be a bit more switched on, uh, and they've got to look at other strategies as well. So there are, there are a couple of strategies that I would say uh, fall under the no money down uh, sector. You mentioned below market value. Uh, that We hear quite a lot that people struggle to find properties that are below market value, and you say the market's changed. So to start off with, are the below market value properties still around that people could people could acquire and then uh, finance creatively. Yeah, it's really funny actually, because we did a training course in London uh, about six weeks ago, and it was all about no money down and being creative and structures. And one of the feedback we got from uh, a few of the guys was, wow, you know, below market value, I, I genuinely thought this was a myth. I genuinely thought that there's no such thing, or I suppose it's the sector really, because there's, there's such a, uh, a kind of view that if it's below market value, it's because somebody's just added a price onto it, and that's not always true. You know, you look at companies. Um, I, you know, a really good example of one is uh, WeBuyAnyHouse.com. We buy any home. Um, well known on television. Um, you know, they they have a strategy where they buy your house below market value, typically up to seventy percent loan to value, um, and then they put the property back on the market and make you know a considerable margin there. So. You know, a companies like that, and that's just one, there's lots of them out there that have made businesses, very successful businesses, just off the back of that one strategy. So a lot of people will say below market value doesn't exist and all they're doing is adding, adding uh, extra value onto it uh, in terms of making the price up. You know, My argument is that that's not true. Look at the size of some of these businesses. Look at some of the opportunities that are out there. It's just a case of if you do come across a below market value opportunity, make sure you do your homework, make sure you do your research, and make sure the value that they're saying it is worth is it, genuine. And so looking at the industry, um, below market value is still there. However, the finance that was used before 2008 isn't with the 125% mortgages or 120% mortgages and with the same day remortgage. And do you think that's why a lot of um, other strategies have come into property where you don't have to purchase the property, but you can still make money out of it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the, uh, the market, you know, probably the one that stands out for me is the rent-to-rent strategy uh, and lease option strategy. They, they've grown so much over the last what, five to seven years, um, maybe 10 years even, in terms of more and more investors are utilizing them strategies, particularly rent-to-rent. As you know, Chris, the, there's less and less, uh, I suppose, boundaries with rent-to-rent. You, you don't have to have as much money to put into it, into the deal. Sometimes if you're fantastic at negotiating, you can get into one with putting no money down, um, in terms of if you can get the landlord to accept not to take a deposit, not to take the first month rent, and to do any alterations. And if it's then, furnished. And if it's furnished, yeah, fantastic. You, you know, you've got a property there that you can start generating income from straight away. And typically for what, five years? 
that that's your average rent to rent. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we when when we negotiate rent to rent contracts, we start off with five years. Uh, we what we find is that mainly people try and um, get you down. Landlords have a little bit of um, suspicion about the amazing offer they're about to get, and so they we don't go any lower than a three year contract. But actually, on renegotiating those contracts at the end of three years, they're then keen to see uh, to sign up for five years after that. Yeah. So that's what we're finding with rent to rent. And obviously, when you re-sign up, then at that point, I imagine there are no additional costs. There are no the house is already furnished, the deposit's already been paid if if needed, etc. So it's literally just continue to make profit. In general, yeah. But my uh, my philosophy with rent to rent is keep the landlord as as happy as possible. So actually, what we do is we we still budget to spend that money at the beginning of re-signing the contract and uh, donate it to the landlord to do up the house. So we've just, we've just um, re-signed one and I've offered the, the landlord £5,000 to do up the kitchen. Now, the kitchen is the weakest room in the house. It's going to work for me because I know over the next five years it's going to be a lot easier for me to rent out the house. And obviously the landlord's delighted because somebody has contributed £5,000 towards the upkeep of their house. Yeah. So it's a win-win situation for both of us. Okay, fantastic. And obviously the other sort of strategies that have come into to not I suppose not just really come into the market but grown in stature because of the the restrictions on buying with no money down so certainly lease options is one that we've seen grow and grow and grow and um, when people can actually similar to rent to rent but have a, an option there to purchase the property at some point either when it's grown in value or the alterations that have been done have increased the value of the property um, which is always a, a favorite of mine um, so a, an example to, to, to kind of explain on that one um, lease option you could uh, treat it as a rent to rent you can agree to rent the property for a period of time but at any point you can also agree to purchase at a pre-agreed price now if you convert something um, to a HMO um, that typically will increase the value of the property and that in, in return is going to mean that um, you could build a deposit into that or there's ways to actually structure it so that you're getting the property again with no money down there's a huge amount that you could achieve with a lease option, isn't there? So maybe we can make that a subject for a future podcast and really break down into, into the ways that lease options can, can help people purchase property or even make money out of property without the purchase. Yeah, exactly. I think that's something that, you know, we could spend the whole podcast just talking about lease options and the opportunities with them. So, but today is all about no money down deals. So, you know, looking at, um, in, you know, in terms of the purchase prices and the opportunities with the money, no money down, you know, a few ways that, other ways that we can look at it. Um, not just BMV, but other ways to structure them are, um, I suppose it's being creative with the funding side of things. So it's looking at, you know, utilizing other people's money. So are you able to have an investor put your deposit in and then refinance and pay that deposit back? This is one area that, that savvy investors have really become to, to grow very, very uh, quickly with in, in terms of peer-to-peer platforms. So um, I'm sure you've heard of Kevin Wright, UK's largest landlord. He's got over 1,500 properties. So um, it's based in South Wales. So Kevin, um, the way he's managed to grow his business to that extent is by utilizing the no money down strategy with a peer-to-peer lending platform. So he will literally find a property that either needs work or renovation, something like that. He will then fund it on a peer-to-peer platform so he's not using any of his own money, do the works using the peer-to-peer platform and then refinance, pay the platform back, and he's got the property without any any uh, money or deposit of his of his own. And is that platform available to, to anybody that's listening to this po- podcast? 
I don't think that particular platform is that he utilizes. Uh, I think that's one that he's grown privately, but it's just to give you an example, there are a number of peer-to-peer -peer platforms in the UK, um, ones that you can speak to and look at. Very similar to crowdfunding, apart from with crowdfunding, it's a different type of structure. Peer-to-peer -peer lending, um, I'd say, is, is made really for this type of, um, I think that was our warning beep there. Um, so, speed up. Peer -to -peer too many times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go, there's the buzzer. So yeah, so I think uh, there are plenty of, of platforms out there and I think it's just something, uh, you know, it's, it's another strategy to look at. Are there any other ways of achieving it? Of achieving no money down? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So you've got Bridging Finance, really good solution. Bridging Finance, again, it is similar to peer-to-peer uh, -peer lending because you're utilising somebody else's money. So it's about having a relationship with a good bridger, making sure they know what your strategy is, using their bridging money to purchase the property and then refinance out. Um, there are a couple of things to be aware with that, that strategy and, it, and again it's something that we could build and perhaps get a bridger in to actually talk on one of our podcasts but one of the key things with that is the term that you own the property for. Some bridging companies will refinance, some, sorry, some mortgage companies will re refinance it fairly quickly but they'll only pay you the amount of the bridge that you've lent. Um, so as an example, a £100,000 house, um, you get a bridge for £70,000. If you refinance fairly early, you'll only be able to refinance for £70,000 which pays off the bridge, which a lot of pe people don't mind because they're quite happy just to repay the bridge and own the property with no money down. Other people will try and keep the bridge for a little bit longer, so once you get to six months, you can then refinance and you can actually go up to the maximum loan to value. So you may be able to get 80%, which means that you pay the bridge off and you also get 10% equity into your, your bank account to start doing properties up or you know whatever it is you're going to do. And the reason that you use that example is because of £100,000 and Bridges giving you £70,000 is because Bridges typically lend 70% of the the, uh, the value of the property, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously lots of different bridging companies work in different ways um, and some of them will go from 60% to 70%, some will even go to 75%. A lot depends on the project, it depends on your experience and the relationship you've got with the bridger. You know, you imagine if your strategy is just to buy properties with no money down and you've already done three with the bridger, then you're gonna find the bridging company to be more flexible and comfortable with you because they know what you're doing, they know how you're doing it and you've already proven that you can repay them back. So that, that way you'll get access to better funds. So I thought there was a, um, an agreement between, between mortgage companies that they weren't gonna refinance before six months. So is that being relaxed slightly now? Yeah, there are there is a lender that's been announced fairly recently to say that they've removed that. Um, I'm not 100% sure how good their rates are at the moment. I think they maybe they're trying to take advantage of this offering. Um, but yeah, basically in the CML handbook, um, that's one of the rules that they put in place to say that um, a property can't be sold for six months. So uh, without you owning the property, but we are finding that that you know as an example, one that we've done. Uh, fairly, re fairly recently, um, Virgin Money, they actually funded it within two months. And the reason being that we actually have proof to go to them to say, look, we purchased at this price, but here's evidence of all the work that we've done, and this is the value now. So therefore, we have got evidence of we've, we've genuinely increased the value of the property, not just something that we've bought at below market value and we're trying to flip quickly to pull money out of it, basically. So the CML handbook is just guidelines? Yeah, I suppose it depends on who you speak to, really. D different uh, solicitors and different mortgage companies, um, you know, there are guidelines in there. There are also, um, I suppose, regulations that you have to follow. Um, the six-month rule, people, it's, it's there more as a guideline to make sure that people aren't buying property cheap and then pulling lots of funds straight out of it. 
um, if you can show that you've done works to the property or there's a genuine reason, then a lot of lenders are willing to take that into, into account. Um, another great way as well of uh, below market, of uh, no money down, is uh, delayed completion. So delayed completion is uh, it's a fantastic strategy. It's a great one to approach. And what we're finding as well, more and more sellers, because the market typically is a little bit slower, uh, are willing to listen to this and they're willing to give you time. So again, it's a case of approaching a seller, being completely open about what you're looking to do and the timescales you're looking to achieve it, uh, asking them to exchange, but with a delayed completion. During that completion timescale, you do the works that you need to do to the property, which will give you the uplifting value and then purchasing at the uplifting value. So it takes a little bit more structure from the solicitors, uh, but you know it, it's fully legal, it's, uh, it's, it's a great strategy to utilize. Wow, okay, so the, the options for um, funding a no money down deal, obviously different to pre-2008, however, there are still plenty of ways out there to achieve the same result of purchasing a property, doing it without any of your own money, but still owning the property at the end once, once you've completed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the key things and the messages I want to get across to investors because the amount of investors that we meet and speak to and they're saving, they're working hard, they're saving up to get their first property. Um, it, it's There's so many other ways to approach it and achieve it that actually if they look at different strategies and look at different ways uh, to structure the, the purchase or, or uh, property, then they could have already had the first, the second, the third property and be on that ladder and, and creating a, an income from those properties. And just thinking about um, the people that are listening to this podcast uh, and the, where they are in their property journey, I guess this doesn't apply to only people that are starting out or people that have got two or three properties under their belt already, or they're only looking at huge developments. This, Because it's a structure, it can be applied anywhere across uh, the property map. So, uh, you know, a, a refurb deal that's going to cost 30 grand to purchase in the northeast or a 12 million pound land deal in London, uh, that structure can still be applied whatever the deal is. Yeah, exactly, and that's one of the good things. So obviously one of the key key talking points in the whole sector at the moment is the fact that the uh, the tax changes in the industry, and a lot of landlords that you speak to, um, are if they're smaller landlords, they want to get out of the sector. If they're larger landlords, they're looking to grow that sector. One of the really interesting points, when you speak to savvy investors, you know, I've met so many investors over the last 12 months that have turned around and said, right, I've got six properties. I know if I get to 10, I'll get extra benefits through the tax scheme. So therefore, I need to buy four, I need to buy five properties. I don't have the funds to do that, but I'm going to utilize these structures and strategies just to get themselves in that position to benefit from the tax, uh, the tax structures there. So, um, you know, savvy investors are taking this on board and that's people that already have portfolios, people that already have properties come and uh, rental income coming in looking to grow that and utilizing without using all their own money okay so let's give let's give them a let's give an example of um how this can benefit people so can you think of i'll let you'll be kind i'll let you choose which of those strategies you use and you can also choose the numbers as well because i don't want to put you on the spot too much but give a financial example of say one of those strategies working and how it can benefit somebody yeah the simplest is the you know look at the peer-to-peer -peer sector so um, you can purchase a property. Um, so we find a property that, um, let's say for really easy sakes, it's it's on the market or the seller wants £50,000. It needs £5,000 spending on it to do the work. And then the end value will be £80,000 as an example. So on that basis, really, really straightforward. We could uh, fund 
on the basis of the end valuation once the works are completed. So in theory, depending on the, on the platform, uh, but there are plenty out there that will allow you to get 100% of the purchase price, 100% of the works need doing, and then once the works are completed, you would refinance, pay off the peer-to-peer uh, -peer platform, and then you're either left with just your deposit in the property or you're able to pull a little, little bit of equity out and put into your account as well. So that's a structure that you've not used any of your own money. Of, of course, there is an element that you will require some money in terms of survey, solicitors, you know, but it's very limited in, in terms of you not putting deposits in, you're not putting large lump sums of money in. Um, that's one of the most simplified ways of, of actually doing it. Um, very similar with bridging, you can do a very similar structure with bridging um, and the, uh, you know, other structures that we've just talked about as well. So it all sounds, it all sounds too good to be true, really, especially for people that are starting off in property or they know that they want to be in the property industry and they haven't got um, the deposit to purchase their first, their first property. Or sometimes, and especially in the deals that we're talking about, it's not just the deposit that they'll need, but they'll need the refurb money as well. So these no money down strategies could cover all of those costs. So it's definitely worth looking into, especially if you're starting out. But just to cover the, uh, the flip side, can you think of any downsides to using uh, any of these strategies? Yeah, I, th I think exactly what you just said, Chris. I think realistically, we're sat here saying, look, this is the the golden egg, if you like. This is the fantastic way of building all these properties and a portfolio worth millions of pounds without putting any money into it. And you know, it's fair then to review and say, okay, um, what are the what are the issues? What are the problems? The first issue and first problem is the type of property in terms of um, typically, if this is your strategy and your only strategy, you are restricted to the location of the property, the type of property, because not every property is gonna fit into this. You are typically trying to find property or sellers that are looking to sell quickly or properties that need work doing to them. So quite often, they're not always gonna be in the best locations or in the best growth locations. So it's about having a balance within a portfolio. So it's not a case where I would never advise to just take this strategy and only use this strategy. It should be used alongside other strategies to make sure that the average of your whole portfolio is giving you a good yield, it's giving you a good growth, but it's a great way to, to add additions to it. I think secondly as well is, you know, we make it sound very easy by saying take this property and do this, this, this. The hardest part is finding that property. You know, sourcing is very time consuming. Sourcing, you know, anybody that does it in the sector will know to do it properly and to do it right and to find the good deals, it, it consumes you. So it's important to make sure that you've got that time to put into it. Um, you know, simply looking, or alternatively, you pay a property sourcer to do it. And that, that that's what a lot of people will do in terms of they'll quite happily pay a sourcing fee of 2%, knowing that somebody spent all their time finding this deal and packaging this deal together. So there, there are um, hurdles, if you like, and sometimes it's the fact that you've not got full control of, it's not the perfect house in the perfect streets but it still gives a good rental income, it still gives a good yield. So it's, it's kind of having that balance of um, meeting the strategy and, and, and location. So the second, the second issue of how much time it takes, there is a workaround by, uh, by getting a sourcer to source the property for you. The first, the first issue, I guess you've got to be a lot more self-aware um, and aware of your portfolio to make sure that you're concentrating on portfolio diversification and not, like you say, not putting all, your, all of your eggs in one basket. But when, you, when you're saying that it takes time, could anybody in the UK search for these properties in their area or are there certain parts of the UK where, where this works better? 
No, I think there's a, a huge mixture. What you typically find is these types of properties are in um, high population locations where there's a lot of uh, chimney pots, they used to call it. So, you know, a lot of ter terrace or townhouse types of properties. Um, but that's not to say that it can't work in any type of property in any location. It's just, if you're looking at quite an upmarket area um, with larger scale properties, then there are going to be less of these opportunities, but they will still come around. It's like if you look at the statistics online for repossessions, repossessions don't just happen in one particular area or one particular part of the UK. There's a, there's a widespread right across the UK and that shows that, okay, different types of people have different money troubles and <clears throat> or need to sell quickly. So it's, it's being aware of that. Um, sometimes you will find that people will use this strategy uh, but will only stick to an area. And it just means that, okay, rather than taking one or two a year, Maybe they only get one every two years, but it's the right property for them and, and it's them having the knowledge to apply to complete this strategy once they get that property. So would you say it's less dependent on the property and more dependent on the situation that the owner is in? I think, yeah, I think it's a good, good point. I mean, it's um, it, it's down to you. It's, your, it, it, it's, it's how it fits in with your portfolio, isn't it? You know, you, you're going to find if the seller is absolutely desperate to sell and they're willing to offer you 40% below market value, yet that property isn't quite in the right location for you, then would you take a view and say, okay, it's 40% uh, below market value. Therefore, at the very worst case scenario, I've got time to do the property up or I've got time to put it back on the market and I've got time to wait. Even if I sell it for 20% less, I've still made a 20% 20, 20 margin, which is quite considerable. Um, so yeah, it, it just depends on your position at the time. So if it's if it's more dependent on, on the situation that the seller's in, Obviously, when you think about sourcing property, you're thinking about Rightmove, you're thinking about Zoopla, but obviously none of them tell you what, what position the seller's in. There might be clues that they want a quick sale, but really estate agents aren't going to give away that this person is willing to, uh, to accept 20%, 30% below market value. So where do you start looking for these properties? Yeah, I, th I think this type of strategy, um, although a lot of people will use the likes of Rightmove and Zoopla and, and property portals, quite a lot of the successful guys also use typical um, leaflet drops they'll use local campaigns because they'll hit the areas that they know these types of it, it's about building a profile of your seller isn't it so if you build a profile of what's your seller look like what type of car do they drive what type of house do they live in what type of income do they have you'll identify where that seller is going to live in the area that you'd like to buy in and then it's about campaigning and hitting that seller so leaflet drops is always a good one um, with leaflet drops you typically find that it takes time to get a return on it um, other, other ways of doing it, you know, if you look at, uh, again, if you look at the larger scale um, companies like We Buy Any House, um, you're looking at sort of online campaigns, TV campaigns, but obviously that's going to a certain scale and, and making it a full-time business. Brilliant, thanks Steve. I hope this clears up um, any uh, thoughts you had on No Money Down and all the different strategies that you can use for No Money Down. If you've got any questions about it, please feel free to get in touch. And for the first top tip, we've talked quite a lot about um, using other people's knowledge and experience and network uh, to achieve no money down. And so what we're going to focus on is the, the power team that you have. So your power team is your solicitor, your bridger, and anybody that helps you get that deal across the line. And so the top tip is to be open and honest about what you want to achieve before you engage a solicitor and before you engage a bridger. And let them tell you whether it's something that they, that they want to do, uh, whether it's, it's something that they've done before. 
Um, but make sure that they know what you want to achieve and that they're happy to help you achieve what you want to do. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to have a solicitor and try and explain to them what you're trying to achieve and then have them work through it. Because obviously that's going to, uh, that's going to lengthen the whole process and it might bring up more issues for you. So that's the top tip from podcast number one. If you like this podcast, don't forget to go over to our page, leave us a like, subscribe to the rest of the podcasts, and while you're there, leave a five-star review. Thanks. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Sourced Property Podcast. Visit sourced.co for free training videos and blogs. 